Hey everybody, welcome to the newest episode of No Disclosure. We're doing an off-topic today, and uh, our special guest that we have is Samantha Montgomery. Lovely, lovely person, one of my bestie friends in the whole world, and a tremendously awesome individual. How you doing? I'm all right, but lovely person, I think you got the wrong person on the line. Well, I don't know. I, I I saw the incoming call and it matched your number. So um, if it's the wrong call, we'll just we'll just roll with it. Yeah, I think my husband would have different uh, different views there. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, you're the first guest to be on the uh, long distance system, so I'm hoping this all goes well. Every time you talk, I do see your little bumps on the recording. So I think we're we're, we're rolling. It can hear my voice. It can. It's going to be fun to mix. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> always with the first. You're always trying something new. Yeah, yeah, always trying. Sometimes it works, sometimes it fails, but that's life, yeah? Yep. <laughs> a long time ago. So uh, we know each other from, uh, it's, it's so funny, like most of the guests I've had on, we know each other from uh, Best Buy in Paducah. Yep. And it's funny. It's like, I don't know if you've worked at any place like this, but it it had this, I don't know. I've never had a sense of family at work at a place like Best Buy. I mean, we all, well, all of us, it became like, mm-hmm. just like lifelong friends. I've never worked at a place like that. It feels like an alumni. Yeah, it really does. Because even on Facebook, like, I've still got several people from Best Buy who comment on stuff daily. Like, Rihanna, we have weekly conversations. Yeah, and even she uh, said she wanted to be on No Disclosure. I'd love to have her. She's like, she's a firecracker, man. Oh, God, I love that girl. Like, my first midnight release I did with her. And uh, <laughs> Johan. That that was a night. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Like we we uh, have you been invited to the Facebook group where like the post COVID get together thing? No, I don't think so. I'm not on Facebook all that often though. Okay, I'll have to add you to it because we uh, we're actually um, it was uh, uh, Eric Dan started a group to where when all this COVID crap blows over, we're all gonna meet somewhere and just spend all night together <laughs> somewhere. We should all reconvene at Casey's. I, we don't drink that often, but Casey's is kind of where our generation kind of went out, I guess, because it's it's brought in a new generation. Like the last time John and I were there, which has been a couple years, it's all kinds of new faces. But the one person that's still there is Mama Gail, who runs the bar, and everybody in town knows Mama Gail. Yeah, that's what kind of got me. Like, for those of you who don't listen, because you know, Samantha, like, this is listened to all over the world. It's really weird. I'm I'm not from here. I'm from San Diego. And then moving, you know, to freaking the South, it's like, it. culture shock aside, when I moved here, I found out that, like, the, it, it's weird. The bar here, which is called Casey's, it, um, it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like, it, to everybody listening, you know that place that, um, you know, you hung out at when you were younger and it was just, it was the 
the the place of your generation. You know that that's what Casey's is here, and it, it it's a bar. You know, and like, I was like, wow, this is really. It's our, it's our hole in the wall, but it was always like a family reunion kind of thing when you walked into the place. No matter when you walked in, you knew somebody there. And it's just a little hole-in-the-wall bar, but that was our bar. I'm surprised everybody, you know, your age didn't end up being an alcoholic. <laughs> hey, I didn't say we weren't. <laughs> well, I mean, in the South, man, in Kentucky, you guys uh, you love your alcohol, man. Well, you know, maybe a little bit. I didn't have real whiskey until I moved here. I'm not saying that John didn't go to Sam's Club and buy me a gallon of vodka. Because, you know, we're, we're adults and we can buy in stock now. So, I don't know. <laughs> See, if we meet there, it's like, you know, I would love to. I don't care where it is. We can meet in a field and, and you know, I'll be happy. But, like, being in a bar, I, I drink very rarely. I'll probably drink twice a year. Yeah, John will drink. He We keep uh, ciders in the fridge, but that's, a, that's about all. I have... Uh, Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid dysfunction, so I can't drink a whole, whole lot. It's like once every blue moon that I'll be able to actually sit down and enjoy something without having a TIA afterwards. So I got to be careful. So how have you guys been dealing with uh, with COVID? I know it's hit like everybody differently and stuff. Like, um, Are you still working at the, vapor, the, the vape shop? No, because with... Uh, with my autoimmune deficiency, and you know, John's got type 1 diabetes. We've tried to take as much precaution as possible. And my dad actually, when our first lockdown we had, my dad ended up with COVID. Oh, wow. So John and I, unless, uh, unless he's going to work or we have to go get groceries, I don't leave the house. So I didn't know you had uh, autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. That's um, my thyroids don't make enough T4, I believe it is, or they make too much. I can't remember. But the medicine that they tried to put me on, I ended up being allergic to. So I have to remain unmedicated until they can find something that doesn't send me into anaphylaxis. So, so I stay in my house. <laughs> so both of you, because, um, you know, for all the listeners you don't know, uh, you're married to John Montgomery, the great John Montgomery. He suffers from diabetes, which always, uh, he really changed my perspective on diabetes because you would think that a person who looks like me <laughs> would be the one with diabetes. But John, he's in great mm -hmm. shape, you know, and I thought that, you know, when you think of diabetes, you think of it's uh you know, someone who's, at least I did, this sounds bad, but it's true, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, someone who, you know, was out of shape and had health problems on top of health problems, and you look at John, you wouldn't think, you know, and then he really got yeah. me rethinking about what diabetes was, and I reached out to, you know, I've met a lot of people since that have diabetes, you'd never, it just broke my perception of it. Yeah, until I met John, which we met when I was, when I was 15 and he was 17, I had never met somebody my age who had diabetes. Now, granted, my grandmother had diabetes. My mother has diabetes. Like, But like you said, my perception of diabetes was, okay, slightly overweight, health issues to begin with, 
Like, that's what I thought caused diabetes, I guess, because nobody really ever explained it to me. Does John ever then, deal with that, yeah. like misconceptions about diabetes? That... Do what? Does John ever deal with that, like with misconceptions of diabetes? Like, does he ever have to deal with people being like, you have diabetes and looking at him like he's some kind of alien? Well, you, he still injects his insulin. So, like, he'll be in the middle of a meeting at work, and he'll have to inject insulin. And he's had so many weird looks from the guys at work, and then he's like, it, it, it's medication. And they're like, wait, for what? And he's like, I, I have type 1 diabetes. Y'all knew this when I, when I came on. And they were like, oh. Or, like, his sugar will drop, and he'll tell somebody, yo, I've got to take a break real quick. I've got to get something in my system. And they're like, but do you really have to? I mean, you don't look sick. Okay. It doesn't matter if he looks sick or not. He His body fights constantly to keep regulated so he doesn't have seizures or just completely drop out. This man, I don't, I, I don't know. He amazes me every day because I, I couldn't do it. I got to tell you, not you are married to, um, I know you guys are in a relationship, so you see parts of him I don't, but you are married to uh, the guy with probably the the kindest heart of any other man I've, I've ever met. He really does, but he only lets certain people see it. Like, you, you... You invoke that just friendly, I'm friends with everybody, I'm a nice soul, a genuine person. So that's kind of, that's what he goes for. If he sees that, you know, this person's genuine, they're not hiding anything, he lets it out a little bit more. But if you just meet him like off bat, some people are like, He's kind of mean, and I'm like, not really. Wow. He just doesn't talk a lot. He's I can never, I can't imagine seeing him that way. That's crazy. I don't know if John told he, you this, but I have a really cool uh, story about him. <laughs> oh God, uh, I have to know because if it if it comes from Best Buy days, that's got to be, um, yeah. I think yeah. this was this was probably latter Best Buy days for me, or maybe slightly post, but I. Um, I had to have a tooth extracted because I'd broken one of my molars. And then once I, when I got into the dentist, they said, oh, my God, it was, it was scary. They said I had an infection that went all the way up my jawbone. And uh, at the risk of being gross, I'll give you the PG version of it. They had to physically scrape <laughs> this infection off of my freaking jawbone. So I was screwed. Oh. I was screwed, man. And, you know, dental surgery sucks anyway. And uh, completely unannounced, I kind of wake up out of a stupor one morning, and John's in my bathroom cleaning my bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) He is. He's in there cleaning my bathtub. And he stayed with me for, like, a few days and took care of me. He would, like, bring me food and stuff. Didn't call him, didn't ask him nothing. That's the kind of person he is, even when... Like, because, like I said, we met when we were teenagers. And you know that he's moved all over the United States. And you're going to find this funny because you're kind of on the same wavelength as us. But it could, we could go months without, like, really talking to each other. 
and I would randomly get a message that said, RAR. <laughs> and when we were teenagers, he would never say, I love you. He would always say, RAR. It means I love you in dinosaur. So every few months, <laughs> I would get a random RAR and know that he was still alive. I love you in dinosaur. <laughs> And now I have socks that say RAR means I love you in dinosaur. <laughs> That's awesome. And I thought it was so cool that you guys got together, too, because you have that, to me anyway, you have that similar vibe. I've just always seen you as you're just a, just a remarkably sweet person. And things often get to me, and I get down and pissed off and i think oh i'm being a crappy friend today or a crappy human being today every time i saw you every single time yeah it, you just it, you just you're one of those people that just has that weird glow around you always just made me happy well you did the same thing you it did not matter how crappy my day was because you know i went through a divorce while i was working at best buy yeah i did too and it did not matter I would walk in and you'd just go, Sammy, and it was just all, it was okay, because I would get to spend the next eight hours with Billy, and he's going to make me laugh. No matter what it's about, I'm going to have a good day. <laughs> you and Rob. Oh, Rob is a, he's a personality all his own. I, I would love to have him on the show. It, it would have to be like two hours long. It really would. I, and the reason he got fired from Best Buy will always be the best reason to ever get fired <laughs> from a business. Yes, you listeners got to, you've got to know this. <laughs> he, Rob is um, on the list of personalities that Sigmund Freud came up with. He forgot about the Rob. Uh, <laughs> he's, Rob is a very yeah. different kind of individual. What he got fired from Best Buy for tackling at, and Rob's a big guy. Got he tackled at full speed of what a pallet, and then somebody had wasn't it Y Song that had it on his phone and put it on YouTube, and there was a customer like standing right there, he just body checked. Yeah, it. it was it was a pallet with um, it had one of our um, what's those things called the stand up thingies? I don't know the pictures the pictures of people that stand up. Oh yeah, one of those uh, shipper things or whatever they call them. Yeah, but he tackled one of them at full force, and Y Song was standing there recording it and put it all over YouTube. And that is why he got fired. And that will be the best reason to ever get fired <laughs> from anywhere ever. What's messed up is that I actually called. I wasn't, uh, I was gone from Best Buy at that point. And I, uh, when I heard about it, I called the manager and I said, Are you not aware that this is pretty tame? Compared to the shit that we used to do, like back in the day, why are you firing him? I mean, if you wanted to fire Rob for anything, you need to invent a time machine and go back. I mean, we've done some pretty messed up stuff. Well, I mean, Charlie, come on. Charlie would pop wheelies in the wheelchairs as soon as the doors closed. Yeah, that was the most fun place to work, man. I've got it. Whenever a customer would piss me, remember you would just hear random toilet flushes on the on your earpiece, like someone would go into the bathroom and hit the microphone and flush the toilet. So you're talking to a customer on the floor and you always hear this random toilet flush. <laughs> My favorite day, I was one of the only girls on the floor that it might've been, I was the only female on the floor that day. Uh, 
But Rob came over the mic and said that it was Talk Like Batman Day. And I came back over the radio and I was like, um, am I excluded from this? Because I'm pretty sure I'm the only female on the floor. So from that moment on, he called me Rachel. <laughs> and everybody talked like Batman on the radio that day. And you would not get an answer if you didn't do it. It was the funniest stuff. I, the, Best Buy really was just that family environment. It doesn't matter how long it's been because it's been several years since any of us worked at Best Buy. But I can still walk down the street, and if I see one of them, they're stopping to the talk, always. It feels like family, and I think a lot of companies, they, they just completely get it wrong. And then Best Buy eventually got it wrong. I mean, they really sucked the soul out of the place. And I... It, this, a lot of these companies really screw up. It's like if you have, and I know everybody has to get their work done and get shit done and get stuff taken care of, but if you have that vibe to where you're coming to work to not only work but have fun and we're all buddies here, and it's okay if you want to mm -hmm. go back in the back and you're supposed to be unloading a truck, you want to throw around a football, <laughs> ah, fuck it, as long as you get your work done. And a lot of companies, it just it bugs me that they don't realize that. Yeah, that's why I always enjoyed like our um, our Halloween parties and our Christmas parties and stuff like that because it was just all of us getting together, eating food and goofing off. And everybody had such a good time. Even the all-store meetings where we all had to be there at like 6 o'clock in the morning for no reason. Yeah, because you knew that uh, Justin Jett would draw a penis on something and, you know, somebody would mm -hmm. fart on purpose. It was just, <laughs> I, I don't it, know. always... It was all the, how do I put this? Okay, the black sheep cousins of the family, that was all of us. I can definitely relate to that. I've been a black sheep my whole life. And this was the first place that I was like, oh, okay, this is the island of misfit toys here, you know? Yeah, completely. And then, like, Shane, Shane and you became my big brothers. Like, if I ever had an issue, even after you left, like, well, you and Shane left around the same. No, Shane left after you. But, like, it, it didn't matter. Like, he still is super protective over me. The last time I seen him, I was working at Kick and Ash, and he came in to get some stuff for his mod or a new mod or something. And I was like, can I do anything else for you? He said, tell your husband that I'll beat him up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and... Shane has been one of John's closest friends when he worked at Best Buy. It's just, it's always been like that. And it's almost like time and distance can't mess up what we all made at Best Buy. Really made me value or reevaluate what friendship was. Um, see, I don't know if you know this. You probably do <clears throat> know a little bit about it by what I put on Facebook and how I've talked about him, but my best friend died back in 05. And the last mm -hmm. thing I ever said to him, the, my last words to him were, I love you, man. I was like, I love you, dude. And I really meant it. And he, you know, I was sincere. I didn't say it jokingly. I said, I love you, man. And he gave me this big ass cheesy smile and he goes, love you too. And just walks away. And I've always made it a habit to always tell my friends, you know, cause this may be the last thing I ever say to them. I, I need to yeah. tell them I love them all the time. After every conversation, I say it at the end of every podcast and I don't just do that. It's because 
the reason I say I love you all at the end of every show is because that was the last thing my best friend heard. And mm-hmm. Best Buy really honed that in for me, like how important friendship is because Dude, all of us were going through some heavy shit. I was going through a divorce. You were. People's families were falling apart. There were two people suffered from crippling depression. We didn't even know about it. Yep. And it's a. Uh, it, it's. It was just. I don't know. It was such a different. I think Best Buy turned me into that friend of, I love you. Drive safe. Like saying I love you. More than most do. Because I have to tell people four times before they leave my house, love you. Like, I have to make sure it's when they're walking out the door. Like, if we've said love you, bye, and you're still standing there talking because you know that Southern thing, we say bye about 15 times before you actually leave. Yeah, that was fun to figure out when I moved here. I'm like, they don't want me to leave. (laughs) They keep saying it. I don't know what to do. But I have to make sure. And it's just like a habit. It's not like I intentionally set forth to do it it's just a habit that i have to make sure it's when you're walking out the door that i say love you bye be safe let me know you get there like even when john leaves for work every morning i know where he's going and i know how long it's going to take him to get there but i still let me know when you make it love you like it's just and my kids i annoy my kids with it and your kids you had them before john you and john don't have any kids right no, John and I don't have any kids together. So you have, how many do you have? Is it two? Yep, I have a boy and a girl. My daughter will be 10 on the 31st of this month, and then my son will be six on uh, April 20th. That's cool. They they get along with John pretty well? That That's dad. That's dad? That's the only <laughs> yeah. dad that they know, and that's, Jesse is, you know how they say uh, once you're around somebody for so long, you start to act like them or take on characteristics of them and whatnot? Yeah. My son is a mini John, if you can imagine two of them running around. Hey, the world needs more Johns. I'm good with that. Yeah, until they're running through my house hollering. And then, <laughs> and then they can go outside. Yeah, they both get hair-lipped at the same time and being rowdy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And John does it. I will be on the phone and he's just tossing him around. And I'm like, I'm, you, you yell at the kids for talking while we're on the phone, but now you're making them yell while I'm <laughs> on the phone. So how did you, how did you get into no disclosure? Like, well, where did you first find it? Well, Billy, I've, I've followed you on everything since we worked together. All my new Facebook. Because, yeah, I have way too many. But I've always followed your stuff and your asylum books and anything that had to do with you, I always downloaded. So as soon as you started saying no disclosure, I went to the first spot where you did it at and followed you on there. And then when John and I went to Texas for his work for two weeks, we listened to your podcast all the way home See, and that's a 12 hour drive you told me that and that scared the hell out of me because i as you know i'm the kind of person i don't give a shit what anybody thinks i'm just gonna do what i want because you know i am the black sheep in my family i was always told 
oh, you're too old to be starting this. You can't do that. Oh, someone else in the fit. Why are you doing that? You know? So I have this whole thing where I don't really give a shit what anybody says. I just, if I want to do it, I'll just go fucking do it. And if somebody says, I can't do it, then I'll find a way to do it. But then when you said, you know, you listened to No Disclosure the whole trip, and you, that scared the hell out of me because out of everybody, I think, in my top 10 people that I really do care what their opinion is, it's you and John. You know, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> they're listening to this crazy I'm shit. Always, we've always admired how you've always been like that. Like, don't tell Billy that he can't do something because he's going to do it twice and take pictures to show you that he did it. Like, that's always been something that I wished that I could, like, do. Like, because if I, I've, I suffer with manic depression, so I have really, really high highs and then really, really low lows. Is that what the manic is? Like, because I, I, I was diagnosed with depression, but I always wondered what, what what's the manic part? The manic part is you go from, okay, what everybody sees as depression, which is the dark rooms, the not really doing anything, the not having the, the get up and go to do anything, to I'm cleaning my floorboards with toothbrushes kind of high. Like, it, it's that kind of manic. Some people express it with overspending if they're on a manic high. Some people do it out of cleaning. Some people they'll go out and overindulge in food, alcohol, whatever it might be that is your vice or your kind of crutch. That's what a lot of people do when they hit that manic high phase. Isn't dealing with depression weird? It's like there's still such a stigma attached to it. Like even some of my best friends, I'm not going to mention names, but I had, you know, I was dealing with a particularly rough patch and I'm trying to explain to him, this is a mental illness, man. I'm just not feeling, mm -hmm. I'm not just feeling blue today. And his exact words, well, I get depressed too sometimes. It's like, man, it, there's still such a yeah. stigma attached to depression that people don't get it. They don't get that. And especially with, um, like anxiety, I think that's what gets me because I was like, I was diagnosed years ago with manic depression and uh, severe anxiety. And people will be like, well, just calm down. That uh, That's not how my brain works. <laughs> you can't tell somebody with the flu to just feel better. Yeah, not be sick. Yeah. Like the, it's, it's that stigma of people still don't understand it. And they'll go around, well, I'm anxious today. Yes, you might be anxious, but you don't have anxiety. It's like how I tell people what depression is like. I was like, what the reason why I think so many people with depression end up losing this fight is because from what I've seen and in my own personal experience, depression, for some fucking reason, always likes to attach itself to the happiest people. And then when our brain says, no, you're a piece of shit, you don't deserve to live, mm -hmm. when, when that part of your brain just switches on on its own, we're naturally so happy that we don't know what to do with that. Yep. And it, that's when, that's when it creates that manic low that I was talking about, because you go from such a high and that's it. It's weird to explain because it physically hurts when you go from such a high to your mind dumping all of that at the same time. 
Does it, does it, it just, feel like you're physically kind of crashing off of something? Yeah, it almost feels like if you had a high, like whether it be a sugar high, a drug high, whatever, and you're coming off that, but it feels like where you can gradually come off of a high, it's not that way with this. It's like an instant you're hitting the floor. Oh, wow. What um, what advice would you give to younger people that have been diagnosed with depression? Like knowing what you – you're pretty young, but um, I'm talking like oh, – because you hear about all these um, kids, teenagers getting bullied online and – killing themselves and you find out that some of them you know had depression and stuff like uh what what advice would you give them knowing what you know about it honestly support system people who are genuinely there if you can find one person who genuinely believes you understands and wants to help that goes so much further than 10 people telling you well i've got this number you can call if you have somebody who is there who is willing to walk through this with you and not just be a bystander, that that helps so much more than anything. I completely agree. My my grandpa said my, my grandpa is one of these people. He was you know, have you ever met one of those people that they're right about everything and it pisses you off because they just ended up being fucking right about everything they said. And you're like, damn it. You know, <laughs> he just knew everything. My <laughs> grandpa was like that. And he told me something that was kind of a hard pill to swallow when I was a teenager, but he ended up being completely right. Is that when you die, you'll have a handful of those people that would have shown up at three o'clock in the morning on no notice. When you die, you'll probably have a handful of them if you're lucky. Like real friends. Yep. And I think what I and found out, the trick to that is, you know, if you suffer from depression, I'm not knocking the phone number by all means. Those people are there to help and it really does help. But having that yeah. person in your corner, man, that's kept me from the edge. Yeah. Having somebody who will not only say, hey, I've got a phone number for you, but will sit down in that corner that you're in and be like, here, let me dial the phone number. I got you. We can do this together kind of thing. So, you know, just that person that makes sure that you feel that you're not alone, no matter what. And it and, sucks because all these other people, they're not trying to be condescending, but they yeah. are. Yeah, they, I think it just comes out of ignorance. They, they, they don't get it. Yeah, they don't know. And that's why I wish people would... I guess research is your best friend. If you have somebody who is saying, no, like I've got depression, I've got anxiety, research, do your research, find out if you really want to help somebody, if you've got that person that you're like, okay, this is my happy friend. I, I need to check on them. Like do your research, find everything you can to help you better understand and help you better help them. Because the thing because is, when, when we've dealt with this, working at you know Best Buy, tragically, is that when someone who has depression ends up losing the battle, it's always that person where you're like, whoa, they were like the happiest dude <laughs> I've ever met. Yeah. And it makes you feel like crap because it's like, man, I should have said something. But you didn't know. Yeah, like we just, 
we just had that happen. And yep, uh, Corey Clark, God rest his soul, Corey Clark. He was um, yeah. he was a tremendous. He was a great person. He always like even talking about it now. We didn't remain close after I left Best Buy, but we always stayed on Facebook and everything like that. But he was one of those that he was my big brother. Like, you three and Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, kids, we actually had a guy that worked with us. His name is Ozzy Osborne. <laughs> yep. And he named his kid Ozzy. And he named his kid Ozzy, yeah. I thought he was the coolest guy. <laughs> and he's, uh, yeah, I was like, his name is Ozzy Osborne? No, shit, I got to meet this guy. Cool. Well, the funny thing was is Ozzy and my daughter, they ended up going to school together for a little while. So when I would go to school functions and stuff like that, Ozzy would be there with his wife, and I'm like, this is so cool. And people are like, his name's really Ozzy? And I'm like, yeah, like, legit. <laughs> but... Corey was always, he was always out to make somebody smile when in reality he was the one needing somebody to make him smile. So that's what gets me about depression. Every time that I saw Corey, every time, there were times that I saw him in the store or whatever and he had shit in his hand and he was obviously busy. He always stopped. Always. Yep. He had the biggest yep. smile on his face. The last thing he ever said to me I remember this like it was yesterday. I had, uh, I think the, well, I forget what book it was that was coming out. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you keep going, man. You're doing a good job. This is awesome. And I was like, well, thanks. I appreciate it. And he goes, no, you're, you're inspiring people. And uh, that, that kind of stuck with me. And, you know, when like, he walked away, I said, hey, I love you, man. Because, you know, that's just my thing after Joe died. And he turned around and he said, I love you too. And, man, I was just like, I, I wish... That I love you could have helped him, but I get it when you're, uh, I don't know. Have you ever been that low? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't talk about it much, and only a few people know about it. Um, but there was a time my ex-husband tried to have me committed. I, I've, I've been that low to where I was in the backyard with, my anxiety and depression medication laying all around me and and still back then even even back then john was that person he's the one who got the phone call that night is that how you is that how you survived it that's that's how john is the reason is one of the reasons i am still standing here and i don't I don't talk about it, I guess, enough because I guess if more people with depression and anxiety would talk about it, it would make the younger ones feel more comfortable with talking about it. But John is, he's one of the reasons I'm still standing here. And it didn't matter how far away he was, it, I could call him and he'd answer. So all you listeners out there, we have two uh like down lowest you can get depression survivors talking here. And I guess that, I mean, mine is the same thing. So I guess that that's one of the magic secrets right there is that, you know, that buddy guys, that buddy mm -hmm. that you can call at 3 a.m. or say, hey, I need help. I can't pay my electric bill this week. And you got a magic hundred dollars in your mailbox. 
that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And it just, that support person, no matter who it is, I just got lucky enough to marry mine. And I still suffer with my manic depression and my anxiety and everything like that. But having your support person, like John can walk in the door and have such a crap day at work. And I'll be sitting here crying and he's like, okay, come sit in my lap. Like it it just, that support person means more than anything. And like I said, I just got lucky enough to marry mine, but John doesn't, John doesn't do well with expressing emotions all the time. So some of the time I try to keep it to myself, but he, he always realizes when I'm doing that. So don't, don't hide it. I guess that's another thing is not to hide it. Yeah. It's, Especially it's nothing from to be ashamed person. about. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. And, you know, I think it's it's that shock to the system because I've definitely felt that like depre- people with depression, it it's it always gets uh, like we just crazy happy full of life people. It's always us. It's never some grumpy ass. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, it's such a shock, and you're like, dude, what is going on? What the fuck just happened to my brain? You know, and I don't know if it. You I don't- just. You don't hear audible, at least I don't. I don't hear like audible voices or anything, but there is this overwhelming thing in my head saying, you are an absolute piece of shit. You know, why are you even here? It's it's almost like I a voice. I through a really bad low not too long ago. And the crazy part was I had all my little sisters with me. I had their significant others and I had taken them to the mall. And just all of a sudden, I hit and I started crying and I was like, uh, and they're like, are you okay? What's wrong? And I'm like, you know what? It's going to take me a little while because I don't know. Have no idea. Do you take medication for it? uh, Not since, uh, (laughs) yeah, that night. See, I don't, I've kind of been scared of it. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Like everything that I took, either zombie zombied me out or made it worse. I remember calling, um, <laughs> of all fucking people. Um, I remember calling my ex-wife's uh, boyfriend at the time at like four in the morning. And he said it, it scared the shit out of him. He said, because I was completely incoherent. I was walking back and forth, like babbling. I don't even remember calling him. And you know, he's like, dude, this medication's freaking you out. This is, Ever since that, I mean, it was it was scary, dude. This stuff was like speed. Yep. And it just, I, I don't know, I'm just scared of it. I don't know about you, it but just, I would rather suffer from depression and have my sense of awareness, for the most part, instead of being whacked out of my gourd and not depressed. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm not knocking medication at all. If it works for you, it works for you. Like, I'm so glad, but... At the point where I was at, it wasn't working, and it was making it worse. And I would rather be coherent, know where I'm at, what I'm doing, have my support person, and mentally go through it for a minute than not be in touch with myself. Yeah, and I I don't – yeah, totally. And I don't want to advocate not doing medication. It's just that I – 
that's just my own personal thing. And everybody reacts to medication differently. So if anybody with depression is listening to this, by all means, if your doctor suggests something, they went to school for seven years to do this shit. Fucking listen to them. You know, it's just that it, yeah. I'm a different I'm person. Don't do your yeah. own research about the medication, but listen to your doctor. Like yeah. if they say, I really think this is going to work, try it, give it a shot. It, it, it can't do any more damage than what you're in now. Brute is going to smell way differently on me than it is you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh-huh. what do you, what do you, um, what have like a hobby wise, is there anything that kind of hobby? What do you do? Like what? I do vinyl work. You do vinyl work? I do, yeah, I do vinyl work. I, uh, from t-shirts and hats to cups and signs and anything you could really think to put vinyl on, I do. And did you always kind of do this or was it COVID that really brought it out? You know, I've always liked the crafty side. It actually helps with my anxiety. Uh, but I never, I didn't get my cricket until... John and I's first anniversary, which was two, no, a year ago. Yeah. We've been together for three years, married for two. So, yeah, it was a year ago. And that's what I did everybody's Christmas is I made everybody something. And it just, it helps with my anxiety. And then, you know, I watch murder shows. (laughs) That's one thing that really was a silver lining to me about COVID is that I... I don't know, maybe my brain's weird or I'm different or whatever, but I I come from a, I'm related to fucking Mozart. You know, I, I come from a really long line of musicians and people who are just spookily talented. And I'm not saying I am. I just come from those people. <laughs> and No, you really, you really are. Like, out of, you can ask anybody that we worked with, if anybody had that artistic gene, whether it be musically, artistically, like, it was you. You embody the whole, yeah, that dude's an artist. He makes stuff. And that that's what Whether I... Whether it's music or whatever. Yeah, that, that was the thing that I loved about COVID was... Uh, the One of the few things I loved about COVID was <laughs> I, you know, would always do these things. And now that people are uh, stuck at home and dealing with, you know, this and dealing with that and the work situation and all that, I'm seeing creativity, like, explode out of people. And it makes me so happy because a lot of these people are the same ones that are like, man, you know, whenever I came out with a new book or, you know, whatever, dude, I wish I could do that. And now I see him doing it. It's like if there was a silver lining to COVID, dude, all yeah. all of you, everybody is just like exploding with creativity. I mean, Curtis Rose has a YouTube channel. Cade does. Um, people are doing okay. like, it's crazy. Uh, did you ever get to meet uh, John's parents? Uh, unfortunately, I've never met them. Well, his dad was the assistant fire chief here in Paducah for a long time. He uh, actually retired a couple years ago, but he now does leather work in 3D printing. And he started all this when COVID started really hitting hard. And he made us the coolest um, 3D printed... Okay, have you ever seen those those ads for the moons that have, like, pictures on them and stuff? Yes, I think I know what you're talking about. 
Well, he created us the coolest 3D printed um, nightlight music box. Ooh. And on one side of it, it has a picture of John and I right after we got married. And then on the other side, it has a picture of John and I and our two kids. And it is literally the coolest thing I have ever seen. And then his mom, she, if anybody is crafty, it is her. She can make something out of nothing. And she made us these homemade candles this year. Oh, my God. They smell so good. <laughs> and I just, I love that. Those kinds of gifts are what, I guess, drive me. Like, if there is sentimental value behind it, I will keep it forever. I don't care. It can be a a picture that my kids drew. I'm like, that's half my house is my kids' art. See, I love but that. But if it and has it's, something... It's cool to buy somebody something, but if it was something that somebody crafted and took time with, it's like, dude, that's... Yep. To me, that's so much more meaningful. It's like, you, you spent time on this thing with you know you used your hands and shit that's awesome and it's so cool because my in-laws are uh fixing to open a little shop in their front yard really with all of their handmade stuff and uh my mother-in-law and i do resin work as well oh that's so, an art like, man resin stuff oh because it's so easy to yeah, screw up it oh my god yes it's it's so so easy to mess up but if you get it right it is so beautiful and leather work too i mean that that's a legit art man you gotta have a freaking Ooh. hand for that Woo. he has made some of the coolest things i think it was not this past christmas but the christmas before uh you know john likes D and everything like that yeah because he's awesome <laughs> well he made his dad made him, um, it's what y'all roll the dice out on. Yeah, like a, a play mat thing. Yeah, but he made it into a, uh, almost like a bowl, but it's like a square bowl. And he did the uh, D&D like emblem on it or whatever John had wanted him to do on it. <laughs> it Rad. I, cannot, I cannot tell you how beautiful this thing was. It is one of the coolest things I have ever seen. And that was one of his first works that he did. He has gotten so, so much better at it now. And COVID just kind of, did he kind of, like, ever since COVID hit, did he kind of just blow up with it? Like, Yeah, that's what they do on a daily. He still works at the range a couple of days a week because once he retired, he's not one of those who can sit still. He's got to be doing something. So he went to work at the range down here and, uh, Besides the range, that's what he does. When him and my mother-in-law are at home, they're 90% of the time in their um, craft shed making stuff. And it is just the most beautiful stuff comes out of that shed. I had and a... you never think you'd drive by the house and be like, they got a lot of buildings for no reason. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, had a, I had a hope with COVID that... Um... I, I rarely tell people this story, and I guess now I'm telling, you know, the entire 19 countries this story, but uh, <laughs> um, what got me, like I said, I've always been, you know, black sheep and stuff, and I, um, long, long story short, my cousin Ryan, who's actually the drummer for the heavy metal band Mower, um, he started playing when he was like eight, 
I started playing when I was like 14. So I always got that, oh, you're, well, your cousin plays the drums. What are you doing? You know, you're too old to start. And hey, try, quit trying to copy him, you know, and all that bullshit. And, you know, they eventually warmed up to it when they saw, wow, he's serious. He's really getting good at it. But, you know, that blew over. But with the writing thing, that was the drumming thing was kind of a fluke. But the writing thing, I shit you not, I'm not going to name this person, but it was somebody that I deeply loved and deeply respected. And really, their opinion could have broke me. And when I mentioned to this person that, hey, I'm going to write a novel, uh, <laughs> this person's exact words, I shit you not, were, you're too dumb to write a grocery list. And that kicked off probably the next 10 novels until I forgave this person. And I did get an apology, but that whole thing was driven by just pure fucking rage. And what I always hoped with COVID is that that would be everybody's you're too dumb to write a grocery list. And when all this blows over, I really hope it sticks, man, because I'm seeing creativity yeah. come out in people. I didn't even know they had. Well, see, like when it comes to instruments or like video games, because, you know, John's an avid video game player. I don't have the hand eye coordination for that. I can't even play the tutorial on Guitar Hero. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't. I cannot do it. I've I've attempted it. It's not possible. But when it comes to my vinyl work, I, I can sit in the corner of our couch for hours and hand put letters on cups and stuff like that. I've got that kind of concentration. But John, how do you put John? He's kind of the same as you. He is a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Like he knows so much about everything that he doesn't try to focus on mastering a certain skill. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> so much about everything. Yeah, I that... really wish. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> I really wish that COVID hadn't hit because John, what he does, he works uh, low voltage. And he's good at what he does. And he really wants to start, like, I guess, a business of his own. Because, you know, he's good with computer tech and all that and home security. And to see him passionate about something like that makes me smile. Because he doesn't get passionate about a lot. But when it comes to what he's good at, it's a whole different version of John that people don't see a lot. Just like when it comes to you and your books or your music, like you don't know how many times just watching you get excited about something at work made me want to go get excited about something. It's like I didn't know what I was going to get excited about, but I was <laughs> going to go get excited about something. It's infectious, isn't it? When you see that, really you know what I've gotten into lately? Uh, this is going to sound so stupid and nerdy, but astrophysics. I was always aware of, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist. Um, mm -hmm. I was always aware of him, but I saw a speech that he did just randomly on YouTube. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is a rock star as far as astrophysics. He is electric. He's one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And I'm a Christian. I don't believe in everything that he says, but he has this passion and it makes you like, dude, it just lights you up. And I, I've been getting into astrophysics <laughs> because it's true. There are some people that that fire in them, you know, man. Yeah. It, uh, it's 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 a virus. I love it. 
it, it's like I gotta know what they're so excited about. Like I have to know because if it is spark this person, it's gotta be some some sort of interest. Yeah, isn't it weird how that works? Like. It's this bizarre ether that can exit a person and go into someone else's brain and light them up. It's so cool. Because trust me, back at Best Buy, I was into all kinds of stuff. Probably some stuff I shouldn't have been into. But it didn't matter what it was. If you were excited about it, like I even got my flute out from band back in middle school. Really? And I was like, I'm going to play this again. And then I was like, I'm still not artistic when it comes to that. I'm going to put this back in the box. <laughs> but I still tried. But, hey, the, the vinyl works. You know, you, you got your – everybody is, like, creepy good at something. So the vinyl stuff, Everybody's that's – Everybody's got their niche, 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 niche. Yeah, everybody's got their, their one thing. And if anything comes good out of COVID, I hope everybody – finds theirs and when the shit blows over uh I, I hope my fear doesn't come true that people are just going to drop the stuff you know i i hope people realize out of all this that there's way more to life than just work and go home and sleep and die you know yep like there is so much more that you can do with your time and you can make people smile like that's one of my biggest things i it's a bad trait of me, but it's a good trait at the same time. Like, I'm a people pleaser to an extent. If I can make you smile without hurting myself, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Because seeing somebody smile and knowing that you might be the reason that they don't go home and do something they shouldn't do makes my whole day better. That's why I try my best, even when I'm out in public, Dealing with Karens, whatever. If I can make <laughs> at least one smile, one smile happen, then my day's better. I love how we have a name for that now. People who act like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we have. I love how we have a nomenclature now because back in the day, it was hard to describe that person. I was like, yeah, now we got a name. We can just call them all fucking Karens. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, I, and I, <laughs> working in retail, we have dealt with so many. Man, I I just I don't understand what makes a person so damn. Just I, I there's one thing I can't stand, man, and that's just grumpy ass people. I I don't get it. But you know those people that are just like displeased with everything. They could get everything. a check in the mail for a million dollars and not like the stationery the congratulation letter was written on. Or, or the fact that they have to go to the bank to cash it. Like Somebody should do I've this worked, for me. I've worked retail, and I have been a server for as long as I've been working. 13 years of retail work and serving. And let me tell you, I just... They are the reason that people like me like to stay in their house. <laughs> I would rather stay in my house that have to go out in the public. <laughs> well, hey. And I just, it's just, it's, I've gotten to the age and the, the tiredness of it, I guess, that when you're being rude to somebody, I'm going to be like, hey, 
No, I don't think so. No, there's, there's... and it gets me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> there's no need for it, man. Well, you know, uh, oh, I can't believe it. Like uh, every episode of No Disclosure, we've actually uh, we've we've just hit our time. Isn't it crazy how fast <laughs> this goes? Because I like talking to you. I know. I I man, I, I want to do. See, this is why I keep having the same guests come back because <laughs> it, it's just uh, there's never enough time. Damn it. <laughs> But if you want to come back on the show, I would love to have you again. Well, that sounds awesome. And if you can ever do a like two people show, me and Rihanna, you know that would be one <laughs> heck of a show. That would be cool. I was thinking about I'll have Rihanna on, like on the like next because I do off topics once a month. I'll have her on, and uh, you know, kind of like learn her vibe, her flow because she was one of the people at Best Buy. I, I, I love her to death, but I don't have her interviewing i'm gonna have to feel my way through it i don't know her diction well enough and then getting you both on that's gonna be cool <laughs> well because rihanna was one the one of the only ones like me and her connected on a different level while we worked at best buy and that girl knows so much more about me than anybody at best buy and probably some stuff that i don't want her telling nobody like, nope We'll teach, uh, we'll show 19 countries some embarrassing stories. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, because you can't embarrass yourself any more than what I have nope. on this show. I get a phone call at least once a week from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, All right. yep. I uh, would definitely have you back on. So uh, that's it for this week, kids. And remember to go on Asylumite17.com for all things me and no disclosure related, blah, blah, blah. Links to all our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages are there, as well as a link to get yourself a no disclosure t-shirt, which I, I should give those to guests for free, huh? You should. I should. I could use one. I'll send you a help. Uh, yeah, I could do that. I'll send you a shirt. So, <laughs> okay. So stop by. Remember to share no disclosure with everybody. If you wish to support the show, do so. Hmm? Give that a little love and yeah. shout out to my patrons. <laughs> Thanks uh, for listening. Uh, I, can't, I can't even talk. Uh, Aaron and Amanda Kunkel from the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel. Kristen Belt, thank you so much to the patrons. You're keeping the show going. And I'm sure Samantha will agree with me. Um, I think it's pertinent because with off topics, you never know where you're going to go. And that's what makes these so nope. fun and so awesome to listen to. So if you agree with me. I think um, I'm going to share the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Yep, I think that's a good idea. Uh, I uh, This really does help. And, you know, a lot of these uh, the, these people, uh, this is a volunteer thing. Uh, they do this because they want to. I've, I have called this before. I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> and this is, this is a real deal. People are helped. So if you're having suicidal thoughts... Um, anything like that, feeling like you have nowhere to go, thinking about harming yourself, others, just call 1-800-273-8255, okay? 1-800-273-8255. It's uh, for people in distress, prevention, crisis resources, for you and your loved ones, they will find a way to help. And it is, uh, you know, this is... This is a, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, I, we had a responsibility to, to do that. It, 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 mm -hmm. it's, it should be shared. I should have it. I should have that thing permanently posted on my Facebook thing. I, I don't want to deal with another 
you know, this happening to one of our friends again. Yep. Because all of you, I I love, you could probably agree with me here is that uh, all you listeners out there, I love some people that only their mother loves, <laughs> that only their mother loves, you know? Uh, yep. It's never worth ending your own life. Nobody is that big a piece of crap. I personally know some people that 99% of you listeners wouldn't give the time of day to, and I guarantee that. But it, it's it, it's not worth it, kids. Nope, it's not. But Samantha, I love you. Uh, tell John I love him. <laughs> I will. And uh, listeners, I love you all. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. And oh, do you want to say the? I'll let you say the be fancy at the end this time. Okay, let me know. Okay, so so tell the audience say. Uh, I'll let you tell them. I love you all and be fancy. I love you all. Be fancy. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> mm-hmm. right. it makes me feel special. Yeah. So I uh, got to mix this thing down and all that crap. So I'll talk to you here a little bit later, and it'll go live here. I'll give it about hour and a half or so. Okie dokie. But thanks for being on. I love you. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. One, two, three, four. Off topic.